the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. And that's what Jesus said in John 10.10. 10. And today we continue in this series called Jesus Has Left the Building and Rediscovering the Biblical Jesus Today, Pastor Sean is teaching from Mark chapter 10, and there Jesus meets a blind man who cried out to him for help and said, I want to see. That's the name of this message today, and then something supernatural happened after that. Keep it right here. This is Real Life Radio. Our series is Jesus Has Left the Building, Rediscovering the Biblical Jesus. And last week, remember, we talked about Jesus on the other side. Remember what the other side was? The other side of the Sea of Galilee, very Gentile area, tombs pigs, you know, Jewish kryptonite, right? It was not somewhere the the disciples wanted to be. You got to know, Jesus may not have even enjoyed being there, except that he heard the cry of a guy who needed a touch from God. And see, that's always the heart of Jesus, isn't it? Our main point was, if we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to end up on the other side. And I hope you process, I got some great feedback from folks where the Lord's talking to them specifically about what the other side is for you. Where's that room you need to walk across or that office or neighborhood or city or wherever it is? Where is someone who's not in your comfort zone but who you know Jesus has put on your heart and he wants you to be a blessing to them? He wants you to share the good news. And remember the simple testimony that any one of us can share? Remember what Jesus told the guy to go tell his family? Go tell them what God has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. What a great, great way to just share the love of Jesus. Now, if you have your Bibles, we're going to pick up in Mark chapter 10, one of the passages that we read this week, and I just want to go through it real quickly for you. Mark chapter 10, beginning at verse 46, we read, then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, that is, or that means the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him, told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Now, what's interesting is we had some conversations this week. I met Tuesday morning with the elders for prayer and then with some of the other leaders, the creative team, some different ones. And I've heard from a number of different people. Everywhere you read in the Gospels, we see the supernatural power of God. You can't get away from it. The supernatural power of God. You're bombarded with it. 
You follow Jesus around, and God is doing something supernatural. Deliverance, evil spirits cast out of people, them being set free, miracles, healing. And the question is, what do we do with that? Because you have to do something with that. You can't just go, oh, that's nice. What's that lunch? I mean, you really can't. You have to do something with that. And I think there's one or two kind of ways we can look at that. One of the ways we look at that is, well, <clears throat> that was back then, and it was different then, and that was something for them, but it's not for us, because we're way more sophisticated. And, you know, we've got science and stuff, and it's just different now. Or you can sit and say, well, if that's the way Jesus handled them then, what if he wants to handle us that way now? I remember being in church, um, I was in college at the time, and a missionary had come to visit. And it was a guy I knew. You know, sometimes you hear stories from people and they tell you fantastic tales around, from around the world, and you kind of get a little skeptical, like, okay, I don't know you, and that sounds pretty cool, but, I, I, you know, is that just your slideshow and your story? Maybe, maybe you're way less cynical than I am, okay? The thing is, I knew this guy, I knew his kids, they were a regular part, he, he had older kids who had moved to San Antonio, and so I knew this guy was straight up. And he's just telling these amazing things that God's doing by his power down in near Monterey, Mexico, where he had his headquarters and where he ministered from. Just miraculous stuff, healings, God just ministering in ways. And I remember specifically having two very strong reactions. The first was, man, that is awesome. God, that's what, that's what the Bible says. That's the stuff in the New Testament. That's, that's the real deal. And then the second reaction was every bit as strong. That was, what about us? We're Christians. We believe the Bible. What about us? And the question is, do we even expect the supernatural anymore? I think there's something in us when we read this and we go, wow, could it be possible? But there's something so prevalent in our culture and it's crept into the church this kind of obsession and deification, if you will, of science, of the natural sciences, which every day there's all kinds of things the natural sciences can't explain, but we don't like to think about that. And so my question is, have we been so kind of conditioned that we don't even expect God to do the things that only God can do? My main point this morning, if you're taking notes, I'd like you to write this down so you can have it. It's really a question for you. And the question is this. What if our experience of the supernatural is more a reflection of our openness than his willingness? What if our experience of the supernatural is more a reflection of our openness than it is of his willingness? And when I say our openness or our lack thereof, obviously. You know, I think we get uncomfortable with the supernatural, while ironically we live in a culture that is obsessed with it. Isn't it funny when you see superhero shows? I love superhero shows, okay? Whether it's, you know, X-Men, whether it's the Avengers, whatever it is, okay? You know, the idea of there being these people with special powers and that maybe, you know, the whole X-Men thing, like maybe that's the next level of mutation or evolution, this power that would come. And there's something in us that goes, that'd be awesome. You know, we're all seven at times like that, right? You know, when Wolverine gets his old, you know, machete hands, it's like, wow, that's awesome. 
And what's interesting, and it's actually Darna who mentioned this to me, she says, we were obsessed and we love this idea about, you know, superhero superpowers. But yet when it comes to God, where there actually is biblically supposed to be a different kind of power, we're squeamish. And fundamentally the difference is the superheroes get to control their own powers. They get to call the shots. They get to use it when they want. It's something they control. The power of God, yeah, we don't get to control it. And is it really that simple, the difference? We like the idea of us having these supernatural powers, kind of an interesting kind of thing to, to think about and dream about because we can control it. And it goes back to that controlling nature that we have been so raised in and conditioned for. I don't know. What if our experience of the supernatural is more a reflection of our openness than his willingness? Very simply, biblically, when did we ever stop? When did the church stop expecting the supernatural? Because there was a shift. New Testament church, obviously, throughout church history, all over the place. When did we stop expecting? Because this is what the scripture says. Mark 16, 17, 18. This is Jesus talking. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. John 14, 11 through 14. Listen to what Jesus says. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. In verse 12, he says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. I got to, okay, pastor, confession time. I need the umbrella of grace. That's hard for me. Greater than you, Jesus? Seriously? I mean, I believe it's true. The Word of God says it. I fundamentally believe it's true. But it's like, wow. We are missing out on something that your word says you have for us, Father. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I'm doing. He will do even greater things than these because I go to the Father. Listen, I will do, and here's a key to it, by the way. I will do whatever you ask in my name. Don't ever forget what it means to, do, to ask something in someone's name. If I come to you and say, I'm coming in Jesus' name, what that means is I'm bringing a message on behalf of Jesus. So understand that. I don't just get to say, I want a Harley Davidson in Jesus' name. And then be all shocked, like, dang, no Harley. Okay, it doesn't work like that, okay? Now, if Jesus says to me, Sean, I specifically, which I'm hoping he will, but he has not, unfortunately. Sean, I've got a Harley for you. You just need to profess it, claim it, shout it, whatever, whatever, whatever. No, if Jesus needed me to do that, and he said, gee, I'm, he would provide. But that's what it means to go in someone's name. It means to say, Jesus sent me. So when I ask something in Jesus' name, I get to go to Father and say, Father, Jesus told me to ask for this. And do you know something? You need to understand this. The Scripture is packed with things that we are instructed to ask for that we don't ask for. Really. I mean, you go through and start doing a study of everything it tells you to pray for. It's amazing. And those things, when the Scripture tells you to pray for something, you can go to Father and say, Father, I'm coming in Jesus' name. And I ask for this. And Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it. So that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Wow. Now you go, well, but that's for the disciples, and that was a unique age. 
Listen to what Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, which was not a terribly moral church. It's not like these were such super spiritual people that, well, they got this. And No, this was a church that was messed up. They were a bunch of sinners saved by grace. And they got it wrong all the time. And Paul had to write some crazy stuff to them as words of correction. But listen to what he also wrote to them that they should expect. 1 Corinthians 12, beginning at verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, listen, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. Listen, very important. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. I don't get to say, oh, Jesus, that gift would be so awesome. I, I claim that one. No, the Spirit gives as he determines and therefore the common good. But I'm just telling you, the Scripture says, and I could read, we could read these all day. Scriptures that tell you to experience the power of God. They tell you to expect that. We want to take a quick minute and remind you you're listening to Real Life Radio, a service of River City Community Church right here in San Antonio, Texas, in this series called Jesus Has Left the Building and Rediscovering the Biblical Jesus. In fact, you can find this whole series on the sermons link at reallife.org. Plus, at the site, see all the great small groups that are available to get connected with. Plus, ways River City Community Church is giving back and serving the community, doing things that you can do with your whole family and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Again, that's at reallife.org. River City Community Church is a church for real life. Real life is what we were created for and what we're all about. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Azaro, and we believe that we were made to have a life full of meaning and passion that can only be found in relationship with our Creator. That's what real life is. Now, for us, real life has a bit of a double meaning in that this faith of ours is also a relevant thing to the real world. It works in real life. It's not just a church thing. It's a way of living that powerfully impacts your home, work, and social world. That's why River City has a relaxed, casual feel where we enjoy practical teaching, inspirational music, and age-appropriate discovery for the whole family. We want to help every single person find the life they were created for. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road, across from Atama Park. Sunday service times are 9 and 11. Our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out everything you need to know, stop by our website at reallife.org. We look forward to meeting you on the road to real life. Welcome back as we return to this message called, I Want to See. This is Real Life Radio. Now, in Mark 10, a passage we read real briefly, we are introduced to a man called Bartimaeus. Okay? And it's interesting, in Matthew, we're given an account of this story, or at least we believe it's an account of this story, but Matthew doesn't give any names, but he lists two blind men, which is interesting. So you go, okay, is the scripture flawed? Is the scripture wrong? I don't think so. Mark, one of the interesting facts about this is very unusual. He lists the name of this blind man. Very often, there was a blind man, there was a leper, there was a woman who was sick. No names are given. Bartimaeus is given, the name is given. I believe what Mark is telling us is a particular person's story. I believe there were two blind men, like Matthew. And Luke tells us. But that we are being given a glimpse into one, the more vocal, the more of the leader of the two, named Bartimaeus, who very likely, and many scholars believe Bartimaeus, because he's named, 
probably became part of the church. It says he followed Jesus. He very well may have become a part of the church and been someone who, by the time Mark is writing this years later, they knew. Oh, well, let me tell you how Bartimaeus became one of us and how he began to be able to see. It's interesting. Bartimaeus, if you know anything about the Hebrew names, you know, we, we know Simon was called Simon Bar-Jonah because he's Simon's son of Jonah, Bar-Jonah. Bartimaeus, and the scripture tells us, means son of Timaeus. What I find fascinating is we're not given his personal, his first name. He's just the son of Timaeus. That's why he's often referred to as blind Bartimaeus. The son of Timaeus. Because he's identified by his handicap. That's who he is. He's, He's a guy who's blind. He has to beg. Not able to work. Not able to take care of his family, not able to do any of that. He's just a guy who's totally defined by his deficiency and his handicap. And he's the son of Timaeus, the blind son of Timaeus. He's by the roadside begging, which is what a blind man in this day, this economy, would be forced to doing. And then in Mark 10, 47, I find this interesting. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That's pretty interesting. How did he know about Jesus of Nazareth? He'd come to this understanding that this is Jesus of Nazareth, who is the promised son of David. And what's funny is he asked what we saw just in last week's message. Jesus told the man who'd been set free from an evil spirit to go home and tell them what God has done for you, And how God had what on you? Mercy. Bartimaeus had heard from somebody. He'd heard about Jesus as the one who has mercy. And so, what's interesting also, he calls out Jesus, son of David, and it's funny how a blind man saw what the religious and the powerful couldn't see. He had no ability to see physically. But he'd heard about Jesus, heard about the mercy of Jesus, he'd grown up around Hebrew culture. As a kid in the synagogue, he'd heard about the promised Messiah who would be a son of David, who would sit on the throne of David. And he knew this Jesus was it. And so he doesn't just say like other people, teacher, rabbi, we know you're a prophet. He goes right to the core. Son of David, promised Messiah, have mercy on me. Here's a question. And this is, in, this is this, all these, I'm going to ask a few questions here to really help us come to terms with our main question, which is what if our experience of the supernatural is more a reflection of our openness than his willingness? The first question I want you to process that Bartimaeus kind of exposes for us is when you look at Jesus, what do you see? When you look at Jesus, what do you see? Because a lot of other people saw an interesting teacher, a prophet, a heretic, bar, blind Bartimaeus saw the son of David, the promised Messiah, the one hope, the one that God said he would send, a savior. He saw the savior. The only possible hope. Jesus said of himself in John 14, 6, it says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That passage of scripture is pretty controversial today. Because of pluralism, because of multiculturalism, it seems so narrow to sit and say, there's only one way to God. 
Our culture loves to say, oh no, there's all kinds of ways to God. It doesn't matter that they are exactly opposed to one another. They are mutually exclusive in their understandings, which is absolutely illogical. It just feels better because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I don't mind sending them to hell, but I don't want to hurt their feelings here for eternity. Well, you know. Stop and think about that. Oh, poor little baby. I didn't mean it. Did I yell too loud? Sorry. Sorry. I scare my granddaughter like that all the time. Actually, she's used to it now between me and my son Ryan with the kind of booming voice. Oh, that's human sadness right there. This idea of Jesus being the only way, we've got to process this. And how do you see Jesus? I mean, really. And I don't, I don't want the Sunday school answer here. Do you see him as the one hope? See, this is a controversial passage because we like to have this idea that, oh, no, there's lots of different ways. and You know, we don't want to get into this right and wrong. I'm sorry. It just doesn't work that way. That's not how reality works in any other area. Truth is truth. Either Jesus is, as others have said, I think quite eloquently, either he is a liar, he is a lunatic, or he is actually the Lord. You can't say, oh, this guy here, yeah, no, he's crazy. He's not the only way, but I think he was a good teacher. You can't do that. See, Bartimaeus saw Jesus, and he's like, that's the hope. That's the one hope. There's no plan B. No plan B. I think that's a secret to the supernatural. No plan B. Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. That's why we talk about the gospel. That's why we talk about the mission of this church as the one hope for the world. You look at the politics and, and you go crazy and go, oh my gosh, Washington's so messed up and the world and the economy and international scene and the UN. Oh my gosh, there's no hope. That's not true. There is one hope. But it is not. It's not a human hope. It is not politics. It is not economics. There is one hope and it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. That's it. And we've got to decide if we believe that because that changes the way we see Jesus. We'll see him like Bartimaeus did. It's the one hope. Reading on, in verse 48, Bartimaeus, remember he's yelling Jesus, son of David? Many rebuked him, told him, be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. He was told to be quiet because he was one of the ones on the fringes of society that didn't matter. But I love that he kept on crying out. Now, we're told this is a very public setting. There's a large crowd. He doesn't care. I love this guy. Really, we all need to take a lesson. Stop caring so much about what everyone else thinks. And then he takes that cloak. It's just a little phrase, but it's funny. It's said in several Gospels. He throws his cloak aside. You know, big deal. He's going to get to Jesus. He'll come back and get it later. He's blind. He's a beggar. I'm serious. He's a beggar. It's his cloak. He's likely homeless. Or at least not living in any sort of palatial setting. That cloak might have been his only shelter. That cloak might have been his only possession. 
I mean, stop and think about it for a second. The idea of coming back and finding it later in this huge crowd and this whole thing, this parade going through with Jesus, not a prayer. His only cloak. Beggar's cloak. And he throws it aside because Jesus is here. That is a major clue to experiencing the supernatural power of God. It really is. Second question for you. What are you unwilling to throw aside? That's, that's where you want to start. What are you unwilling to throw aside? Bartimaeus threw aside his dignity. He threw aside his security. He threw aside his plan B. You know, I better keep this stuff just in case this doesn't all work out. In case Jesus comes through and it's kind of a cool time, but I'm still blind. And I, yeah, he threw it all away. Thank you, Pastor Sean. You've been listening to Real Life Radio. As next week, we'll continue this series called Jesus Has Left the Building and Rediscovering the Biblical Jesus as it's available right now as a free download when you find the sermons link at reallife.org. We invite you to do more than just hear, but see and do when you join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park. You can see all the details, directions, and service times also at reallife.org. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. River City Community Church is a church for real life. Real life is what we were created for and what we're all about. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Azaro, and we believe that we were made to have a life full of meaning and passion that can only be found in relationship with our Creator. That's what real life is. Now, for us, real life has a bit of a double meaning in that this faith of ours is also a relevant thing to the real world. It works in real life. It's not just a church thing. It's a way of living that powerfully impacts your home, work, and social world. That's why River City has a relaxed, casual feel where we enjoy practical teaching, inspirational music, and age-appropriate discovery for the whole family. We want to help every single person find the life they were created for. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road, across from Atama Park. Sunday service times are 9 and 11. Our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out everything you need to know, stop by our website at reallife.org. We look forward to meeting you on the road to real life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.